Welcome to a Hope Alive Church podcast, where we strive to be an authentic family of believers, where we believe everyone can encounter the living hope found only in Jesus Christ. We hope you enjoy the word. We want to pray over them. We want to speak life over them because when we pray, things happen. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and say, when I pray, come on, tell them when I pray, things happen. How many of your neighbor, you didn't, they didn't convince you? Let's try this again. Go to your second choice neighbor, your second choice. Say, when I pray, things happen. And I don't believe any other way than that right there. Amen. Amen. We have been in this incredible series called The Hood. How many of you enjoyed Pastor Martha last week and Pastor Brandon? Truth be told, let me tell you, we all sat down. I was telling Jeff this this morning. We all sat down and we said, how can we bring what Hope Alive Church needs as a team? Sometimes I'll preach a series, uh, you know, on my own. But we sat down and, and I, I, I really sat down with the team and we gave creative freedom. And we say, what do we need to talk about? What's going on in society? And, and I believe Aaron said it Wednesday night, but... But the family and quality time and everything that's coming against the quality time of the family uh, really needs to be talked about. We need to break some curses and open up conversations again. And Pastor Andy really led this charge about ministering to the family. And so as he comes today to bring the word, I also want to honor him for being obedient to the Holy Spirit. We're in this series because of what God planted inside of him. And so would you help me welcome our Hope Kids pastor today as he comes and brings the word. Will you stretch your hands towards him and let's pray. Father, we thank you for Pastor Andy. We thank you for Stephanie. We thank you for the girls. We thank you for all that they are. Lord, thank you for him and I getting to meet years ago, Lord, and not knowing what was ahead. Lord, I, I'm always amazed how you do what you do. But, Father, as, as, as today we stand here in a different capacity, we're still pointing people to you. And, Lord, today refresh his mind, refresh his heart. Thank you for his gift. Thank you for him being who he is. You made him to be. We're attentive and we're ready for your word through this voice. In Jesus' name we pray. Come on, help me make some noise one more time. Well, can y'all hear me? Beautiful. I always have to check because I'm always afraid I'll just start talking and then um, everybody will just be staring at me like weird. I had a, I was sitting over here praying just a minute ago and I feel like there's somebody, there's, there's people in the room that feel like they have to qualify or do certain things to be able to um, make it, to get to, to get to ultimately where we're trying to get to. And I just want to let whoever that is know that your spot's reserved. Like, you don't, we don't have to qualify for nothing. We were redeemed. The only thing we got to do is accept and follow. Are you willing to accept and follow? Have you already accepted and follow? Amen. So um, this series has been, it's been great. It's been fun. Uh, I've, I've really enjoyed a lot of the messages so far. 
Um, today, my title, title of my message is called My Brother's Keeper. And that's not necessarily, I want to I start by saying it's not necessarily, I do have a brother. I have a sister as well. Um, and I am talking about them, but I'm not just talking about them. I want to focus in a little bit deeper than that. Is that okay? A little bit past that. Is that okay? Are y'all awake this morning? Don't make me call you out now. I'll point too. I'll do it. I'm just kidding. I'm not though. So uh, <clears throat> let's jump right on in. You have your Bibles. Put them in the air. You know I'm going to ask. There's no kids cash today, but I'm glad. Like, we're growing, y'all. There's that's more Bibles than I've seen in a in a while. So, yeah, hand clap to y'all. That's good. So the the term "my brother's keeper" actually started in Genesis, right? I guess it didn't start there, but that's where most of us go to when we hear it, right? So in Genesis chapter four and nine. Um, God's talking to Cain, and he asks, this is after Cain has um, killed his brother Abel. And so God asked him, he says, Then the Lord said to Cain, Where is Abel your brother? And he lied and said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? So um, I just wanted to give you a little bit of background as to, as to where that came from. The answer is absolutely yes. Um, yes, I am my brother's keeper. Um, but I, I believe that it goes a little bit further than, I believe it goes a little bit further. I'm over here pushing buttons, y'all, and, and I don't know what a, what I just broke my computer. So I, I believe it goes a little bit further than your biological family, right? Um, it, raise your hand if you are a brother or a sister. Okay, there's going to be a lot of hand raising today, so just get with it. Um, while I'm talking, you guys can go ahead and turn to Romans 8 chapter 14, Romans 8, chapter 14. They're going to put it up on the screen as well. But we've seen, we've seen this, this term, right, used in, in and um, I, I would say used inappropriately. Like it's, it's, you see it everywhere, right? You see it on cards and, and, you know, things like that. We see it on Facebook, you know, these Facebook thugs talking about, you know, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to look out for mine. I'll do whatever for mine. I am my brother's keeper, you know, talking noise out to nobody. Um, you've seen them. You know what I'm talking about. I'm going to come back to it, but right now I want to, this is the NIV version. So for those, this is Romans chapter 8, verse 14. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. Okay. The spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received, everybody say received, received. brought about your adoption to sonship. Say sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. That's you. That's me. Right now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his suffering in order that we may also share in his glory. 
Somebody say hallelujah. So notice that the, at the very bottom of that verse, it says, if we indeed suffer, right? If we indeed suffer. That means sometimes it's going to be hard, right? Sometimes it's, it's going to be hard. But it also says, in order that we may also share in his glory. There's a reward at the end of that, right? So we have to just keep trucking along. We have to keep pushing. Um, there's blessings and, you know, and, and, and honor from God for those of us who look after our brothers and sisters. Okay. Um, I want to look real quick at brotherhood, the definition. I looked it up. I looked it up. So it actually has two. Number one is the relationship of two brothers. Okay, the obvious, right? Um, the second one is an association. Everybody say association. It's an association, society, or community linked by a common interest, religion, or trade. What's that saying? That's us, right? That's us. So, the second def definition is great because that word association is where I want to fixate for a second. Is that cool? Yeah. Association is a group of people organized for a joint purpose. Raise your hand if we're in here for the same purpose. I know what I came for. All over the word, when you read all over the word, there's these associations. Okay, there's... A, a lot of a lot of good ones, but there were some bad ones too. Okay, um, we had bad ones like King Ahab and uh, Jezebel, Judas and the chief priests. Right? We all know what they did. But we had good ones. We had Elijah and Elijah. Okay, Moses and Joshua, Timothy and Paul. Okay, these were uh, connections that were made, and they were. They were a wrecking house, y'all. They, you know, they, they did some serious damage for the kingdom in the time that they had. Of course, we had all the disciples, okay? So I'm going to quickly read through this list. If you don't know, you're about to, okay? So we had Simon Peter, impulsive but deeply devoted. Andrew, who was Peter's brother, right? Uh, one of the first called by Jesus, James, son of uh, Zebedee, one of the sons of thunder. That's its own lesson. Uh, John, the beloved disciple. Philip, pragmatic and often, often asked practical questions. That sounds like somebody I know. Uh, Bartholomew, also known as Nathaniel, had doubts at first but became a faithful disciple. Matthew, the tax collector. James, son of Alphaeus, um, also known as James the Less, not because of... Um, what you would think, but just because of his age and size, he wasn't less of a disciple, though. Uh, Thaddeus, also known as Judas, but not to be confused with Judas Iscariot. Okay, and then Simon the Zealot, and then, of course, Judas, Judas Iscariot. We all know this guy. It's worth noting that there was uh, an association within the association, right? There was an inner circle within the disciples, okay? Um, Peter, James, and John had a really close relationship 
with Jesus. And they, they got to see a little bit more than uh, what some of the other disciples got to see. Um, I don't think they look, I think we look at it like that, like what they got to see, you know, um, now as in like that's past tense. But in the moment, uh, I'm really curious as to what that felt like, if they even realized that they were in the inner circle. They had a name for it. You know what I'm saying? But Judas was good proof that there, there's not always partnership within the association. Right? There's an association, a group of people, but not everybody in the room has your best interests in mind. And just because they're in the room and you've shook their hand and you know their name, still doesn't mean that they have your best interest in mind. I'm not calling nobody out. I'm just throwing it out there. We all know this is true. Judas walked, saw, you know, he had, he had physical, visual proof that you and I don't have, right? And he still, he still gave him up over nothing. And it was for nothing. But the, there was weak points within the brotherhood, within that association, there was weak points. Okay, if we set Judas aside, there was still weak points within that association. The, uh, in Luke 9 and 46, there was an argument started among them as which of them might be the greatest. Like, I'm the best. Right? Like, I'm better, you know, I'm going to be the most successful. There was all of these uh, conversations, and they were going back and forth. So Jesus, knowing what they were thinking in their heart, took a child and had him stand beside him. And he told them, whoever welcomes this child in my name welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me also welcomes him who sent me. For the one who is least among all of you, that is the one who is genuinely humble, the one with a realistic self-view. Everybody say, Self-view. He is the one who is truly great. So all of these guys are, you know, I'm better than you. You know what I mean? I, I, I did this or that or the other. I went here and I did this. And they're just bragging and bragging and bragging. Fighting. And Jesus is saying, I need a humble heart. Right? That's where we're, that's where we're getting at. Um. This uh, group, they had, a, they had one goal. And, and I, don't, I don't think that they really even realized it at the time. They thought that they, you know, Jesus was, was you know, creating this huge ministry and, and making all these big moves and they were getting to be a part, but they didn't see the end goal, right? Even after Jesus, you know, multiple times had told them, like, basically, I'm not going to be here forever, guys. Like, you're going to have to get it together because at some point I'm going. So they had pre-warning. The goal was to get Jesus to the cross, right? They didn't realize this. Now, it's similar to our goal, which is to get to the cross. Symbolically, right? I mean, we, we, um, we need to get to Jesus, get redeemed, get saved. And a lot of times what I've seen is we get to that point, and then it's like a good luck. We, you know, we've tried to overcome 
some of that within the ministries uh, of the church, not just not just here, but other churches that we've been a part of. We've seen things, but typically what ends up happening is people get saved. They come, they cry out, they get saved. And then it's like, OK, well, see you next Sunday. That's not an association. And that's what I want to pick at. Jesus had to get to the cross, right, to fulfill the plan. He had to get there. It was something that had to happen. Each disciple had a role to play in that, okay? Without them, there's a good chance that it wouldn't have happened the way that it did. But here's the thing. Jesus knew exactly how everything was going to play out, and that's what made him so great because not only did he know, but he did it anyway knowing how everything was going to play out. There's three small points that I want to make real quick just to give you a little bit of background. But if you're unsure, I need you to know what happened at the cross, what happened through the cross, and then what happened because of the cross. Are you with me? Yes? Perfect. So what happened at the cross? Jesus willingly gave himself, okay, willingly gave himself John chapter 10, verse 17 says, The reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life to t- only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. He was a willing sacrifice. Uh, d- despite what it may have looked like on its face, Nobody took nothing from him. He gave it. This was a a whole bunch of confusion, you know, for everybody that was in the area whenever he was arrested or the people that watched him get beaten or hung on this cross. But rest assured, this is something, again, that he knew was going to happen, and he gave it anyway. Are we clear? Through the cross, we had these four things. You can write them down. We had... Atonement, redemption, justification, victory over evil. I love that word, victory. Atonement, through his sacrifice, he reconciled humanity with God. Right? Redemption, through, through, everybody say through. His death on the cross, Jesus paid the price and redeemed us. That's you and me. Yes? Through, everybody say through. Through the cross, he made it possible for us to be justified before God. And then we all know victory. Victory over evil. Through, everybody say through. Through his death and resurrection, he triumphed over sin, death, and the devil, providing victory. Everybody say victory. For all of those who believe in him. Now, what happened because of the cross? Everybody say because. Because. Salvation. The cross opened up the way for salvation and eternal life. Okay? Through his finished work, say finished. We received the gift of salvation. Are you with me? This is what I was talking about earlier. Our spot is reserved. It is waiting. 
His part's been done, is what I'm saying. We got to act on our own. Am I correct? Transformation. The cross has the power to transform lives. Raise your hand if you've been transformed. I don't think you heard me. The cross has the power to transform lives. I've seen it. I know you've seen it. We are called to take up our own cross, deny ourselves daily, and follow Jesus. Through his sacrifice, we are empowered. Everybody say empowered. By the Holy Spirit to live. And to live freely. Freely is the problem. This is a gift that was handed over and given to us. But freely, free will, free living is the problem. Simply all because we don't know how to behave. Raise your hand if that's you. You can admit it. Let's just call it out right now. I don't know how to behave sometimes. We act and live freely. We act and live recklessly. Not all the time, okay? I'm not saying like you're a horrible person. And, but when we have free will to do and say whatever it is that we want, which we do, right? I can say whatever I want right now. May not end well, but I could say it. I have the same free will that you do. I want you to take a second and think about all the conversations that you've had with family members and friends and people in this room. And all the ones that went south because of how you said it, what you said, your tone, how you approached the situation. I want you to think about the people that may be in this room that you haven't spoke to in, you know, who knows how long, too long. Your family members that you haven't spoke to in God knows how long. Because one of you, either you approached the situation wrong or they approached you wrong and you got your feelings hurt. Yeah? You got it? Got that person? Is it multiple people? It could be. We take everything, the reason I explained everything that happened at the cross, through the cross, and because of the cross is because we take all of these gifts that we've been reaping the benefits for for all our lives, right? We take all of these gifts and, and we take them for granted. Rather than gathering up as much as we can so that we can gather up as many people as we can, you know, we take the parts that fit our lives they, that fit our current situation, and everything else gets shoved to the side. We treat people like crap. Yes, I said crap. That's King James. <laughs> we treat people like crap, and then we try to justify the way that we behave, the way that we treated them. We, we got to do better. I'm getting off my notes, y'all. I'm going to stay right here because if not, we're going to be all over the place. The problem is, is that the whole time that we, that we do this, the whole time that we talk to people like, you know, we ain't got no sense, 
Um, we do it and we do it and we do it. And it becomes generational. It becomes generational because guess who's watching when you do this? Our obvious answer is the kids, right? That's true, 100% true. But there's also other people in the room. Let's say that you're an older brother. And your younger brother or your younger sister learned how to act and how to treat people based off of how you presented it. This is how we act. This is how we treat people. People do what we say because we demand respect. Right? So uh, we're going to tell them what we want and they're going to do it. Or my favorite, we have enough money to buy whatever. So because I have enough money, I can treat you however I want. Because you work for me. And I'll just find somebody else if you don't like it. I only say that last one because I've done it. I don't have a lot of money, y'all. Let me back up real quick. <laughs> Let me tell you something. These pockets ain't very deep. But I have been in situations where, uh, you know, my, I, I was telling Pastor Brandon, my, I wasn't an effective leader like I thought I was. I was an effective dictator. You did what I said because if you didn't, I was going to fire you. I'll just get somebody else. And you deal with how I want to talk to you because if not, I'll just fire you. And I'll get somebody else. And I lived like this, y'all, for years. I became known as the guy that's blunt because, you know, like, he'll just tell you what he thinks. Well, you know, that's good and bad at the same time. Yes, I'm okay with having, I don't want to say okay, but I will have, you know, conversations with you. But I don't want to be known as the person that is a jerk. But that's a monster that I created myself. I can't blame nobody else for that but me. They're, they're, um, when, we, when we do this in front of the association, when we do this in front of the family, the family, we back it up with, well, that's just how, that's just how I was, that's just how I was taught, which becomes their new normal, right? Whoever's listening to you, watching you, becomes their new normal. And then it turns for them into, well, that's just how I was raised. I didn't know any different. And there, there's some truth to that. There is. There's some truth to that. There, if you were raised a certain way, your normal became that's how we treat people. Uh, and you didn't have a second thought about it because that's normal. The problem with this is that it's a double-edged sword. We become incredibly good at dishing it out but cannot take it. As soon as you talk to me a way that I don't like, man, listen, listen, let me tell you. People don't talk to me that way, you know. I've said this before. I don't think, you know, never mind. It's going to get bad. The problem is, is that we get, we get offended. We get offended, and there's a pattern that tends to happen. And I've noticed this pattern. I've noticed this pattern throughout my years in, in ministry. And, I, and, and, I, and I'd like to tell you that it doesn't happen here, but it does. I've seen it at other places, not, other, not just other churches that I was attending, but other ones that I visited or played at. 
There's a common theme that happens in churches. It's three words. And then I'm going to backtrack because I skipped a verse that I really want to read. Three words. We get offended. Okay. We get offended. We get correction. I'm sorry. Correction first. Everybody say corrected. We get offended. And then we run. Corrected, offended, run. Okay? I only bring... Uh, I'm going to tell you a story here in just a second. Um, I'll tell you right now. So I, I only bring that up because uh, that's something that, again, I've done. And it didn't just affect me. Right? There was, uh, there was a time where I went and had a conversation with a certain somebody... It didn't go the way that I wanted, uh, or the aftermath didn't look the way that, it, that I thought it should. And so I gathered my stuff up, I went and gathered my stuff up, and I left. Literally got home, literally got home and said to the wife, we don't go to church anymore. You realizing what just happened? My, my now 13-year-old, you know, she wasn't that, that old yet, so she was upset. She was sad. You see how this trickles down and affects? She was sad because the people that we went to church with, the friends, the, the, the people that she hugged every Sunday and Wednesday, she wasn't going to see anymore. My wife, although she was supportive on my decision-making, I could tell was not happy for the same reason. Because I made an emotional decision and said, you know what, I'm church hurt, so I'm leaving. We're leaving. As a family, we're out. There's, there's man, there's 15 different ways that that scenario could have went down if maybe I would have handled it different. There's people that are in the room right now because, because of, whose phone's ringing? There's people in the room right now that are in the room because of this reason. I left this place and, you know, pastor told me this and I didn't like it, so I left. Somebody in the church came to me and they corrected me on this and I didn't like it, so I left. We had a disagreement. They say things like, you know, our visions didn't align. Um, that's crap. I'm, I'm just going to tell you, that's crap. The reality is, is that you weren't mature enough to have a conversation. And it may have been a difficult conversation. I'm not going to sit here and say it's, it's easy because it's not. But the fact of the matter is, is that when your sin or your, whatever you were doing, your distraction, your lifestyle didn't line up with what's in here, then all of a sudden one or two things happens. Either this ain't true in your heart no more or whoever is teaching it is wrong. And it's easier to say, you're wrong, I'm out, than it is to, we're smart enough at least to say, hey, uh, you know, I know, it's, I know it's in here, but we ain't going to talk about that. The fact of the matter is, is that you didn't have it in you to have that conversation. 
Instead, it was easier to walk away. It was easier to run, so that's what we did. There was no self-accountability, none. Again, I did it, talking to myself. You're not alone. If this is you, you're not alone. I promise you. Matthew chapter 18, verse 15 says, If your brother or sister sins against you, go to them. Go to them. Everybody say go to them. I want to make sure you're getting it. Tell them what they did wrong. Keep it between the two of you. If they listen to you, you have won them back. Verse 16 says, but what if they don't or won't listen to you? Then take one or two others with you. Imagine that situation. Then you got, you feel like real offended. Like now, well, y'all just going to come at me like that. Y'all just going to bring it at me like, you're just going to come at me like that. It's true. Uh, if you're listening to the podcast, me, uh, Pastor Brandon and I, we had a, um, we brought up a story where you know we share an office, and and at, at one point or another, either you know he was typing up sermon notes or working on something, and I'd be like, hey, bro, check this out, you know, and I'd interrupt or vice versa, you know, we would, and so we we had to set some ground rules, but the problem was is that uh, I didn't know how to bring that conversation up because I didn't. I didn't want to, I didn't want to offend him, right? I didn't, it's not that, that I was mad at him or anything. I bring this story up because this is a minor, a minor situation, right? Nobody's mad. It, it's just bringing up a conversation, carrying that conversation through, and coming up with a solution, which we did. But it literally all in all took about a month. Yeah, there was, there was a solid two weeks of how do I tell them, how do I tell them, what am I going to say, like I don't want them to be mad. Um, we had the conversation, and then there was a solid two weeks of like awkwardness after, like I'm not going to, at one point, I'm not joking, at one point I was typing up some sermon notes and I get an email from Brandon who's six feet away from me, <laughs> hey when you get time, <laughs> sorry to call you out man. That's true, though. And guys, it doesn't have to be like that. It doesn't have to be that. That's a true story, I promise. He's like, when you get time, can you help me with... Yeah. Yeah, I got you, man. I saw the email, and I looked up and just smiled, and I'm like... But that's that awkwardness that we, you know, we lived in for, for a couple of weeks until we both were over it and we moved on with life. We set boundaries and rules, and hey, if I got my headphones in, like I'm in the zone. Like, if it, unless it's important, don't, you know, don't stop me. It was easy. I jumped way ahead, y'all. That term, I'm church hurt. I don't want to ask how many, but I can raise my own hand and say, that was me. And I can raise my own hand and say I'm in this room because of that. And I'm grateful. But I've matured since then, right? And I can look back on that situation and think, well, first off, I can look back on that situation and, and, and I've forgiven those people. There was a long time where I, that wasn't happening. I wasn't, uh, I was mad. I was mad. 
And again, situation could have been fixed if I would have approached it a little bit differently. Or it even went back. Because how many of you know situations don't always fix themselves on the first go? Sometimes we got to back up and be like, hey, um, I, need a, I need a minute. We need to learn to think before we speak. That's hard for people like me. How do we, how do we fix this? Raise your hand if this is a problem for you. You get offended. Oh, some people don't get offended in this room. <laughs> they ain't never been offended before. Okay. So how do we fix this problem, y'all? How do we, how do we do it? I'm glad you asked. Three things. Three things. And we can go on and, and on and on until these, uh, into these three subjects, but... I think had I done these three things in the time, that month-long situation when it took as long, the bitterness and everything, every piece of anger that I carried around with me, these people were living rent-free in my head. There's some times where people get, you, you resent people for things that they don't even know that they've done yet simply because you haven't had the conversation. So, number one, everybody say number one. Don't lose your authority. No one, and I mean no one, has the ability, the right, no one has the right to take away your peace but you. Somebody comes and they approach you and they tell you, hey, uh, man, yesterday... I came to you and, and you were a little short with me. And you said this, and when you said that, you said this comment, I didn't, I didn't really like it. You don't have to get upset. You don't have to get mad. Is that the first response? Typically, you know, yeah. Nobody likes being corrected. Raise your hand if you know what I'm talking about. Raise your hand if you ever, somebody ever approached you and said, hey, you know what? The way that you did this yesterday, I didn't really agree with it. And the first thought that popped into your head was, oh, yeah, well, you did this. You're ready for that comeback. Right? And it's hard because we have to learn to shut up. It's just simple as that. We don't, that doesn't mean that you don't get to speak. That doesn't mean that you don't get to give your side of the story or why that happened the way that it did. Okay? That just means in that moment, it's not time. So again, shut up. Think. Take the information in. The reason I say it that way is because I know this may hard, be hard to believe, but there is a good chance. I'm not saying 100%, but there's a good chance that you're wrong. I learned this looking stupid more than once. There's a good chance that you're wrong. Be accountable enough to know it. 
at least that the possibility is there. If you have that in your brain, then believe me, you can be quiet long enough to listen to what they have to say. In that moment, you don't have to do anything but listen. It doesn't require a response. If somebody comes to you with some correction, it does not require a response. You can give one, but it doesn't require one. It's just as easy to say, hey, let me think about that, and I'll get back to you. Can I talk to you about it, you know, tomorrow? Instead of getting mad and lashing out because you're making this emotional decision that they're wrong, you, there's no possible way that it could be you. It's just not true. I think that, <laughs> um, guys, if you've been to five different churches in the last five years, there's a common denominator there, and it's not the church. It might have something to do with the fact that you don't know how to take correction without getting offended. It might have something to do with the fact that, you know, you're hot-headed. Is this a, a childhood trauma? Probably. Can it be worked through? Absolutely. But you have to put the work in. Most people don't want to put the work in. Number two, everybody say number two. Open communication. Open communication. The door to have that conversation with Pastor Brandon was open the entire time. The very first time that it became an issue in my mind, I could have voiced it, but I didn't. And the problem with this is, is that sometimes we wait. Sometimes we wait, and we wait so long that we end up resenting this person. Like I said earlier, we end up resenting them, and they don't even know. And then secondly, by the time that I come to you, by the time that I've, you know, two months have gone by, and you're mad now because I didn't come to you sooner. You had me looking stupid for two months whenever you could have just came and told me. Open communication. Sometimes there's, again, you don't have to be jerks about it. But you can have the conversation. You can start it at least. The third one, last one, is prayer. This was in no particular order, right? Prayer is always a first response, not a second or a third. Prayer is not an insurance policy. Prayer, this is a first response. Raise your hand if somebody ever made you mad and you're like, Lord, if you don't help me right now, I'm going to jail. I'm going to jail. There's an open dialogue with God all day long. I have an open dialogue conversation with King Jesus all day long. Sometimes I'm running and, or sometimes I'm working out or sometimes I'm typing, I'm thinking and I'm like, Lord, are you there? That doesn't mean that we always feel, you know, like we're super saved in the Holy Spirit. Yes, the Holy Spirit is with us to guide us and he's always with us. But if I'm being honest, sometimes they don't feel that way. Sometimes it's hard. Sometimes life will kick you in the pants and you, you don't know which direction to go. We pray. It's easy to get offended. It's easy to get offended. But when that happens, before we speak and make a fool out of ourselves, we pray. 
before, before we have the difficult conversation, you're unsure how to even start it, before, before it happens, we pray. Give me the right words. Help me. Help them to receive it. It's to prepare our hearts. Stand to your feet. I want you to take a second and look at your neighbor. Don't make it awkward. Just look at him. Turn around and look at your other neighbor if you got one. Just look at him. The introverts in the room are like, what do I do? The truth is, that person that you just looked at, whether they're an older male, older female, whether a young lady, a child, that person that you just looked at, there's a good possibility that you are the only family they got. Hear me. Hear me. Wednesday, if you were in the room, there was... There was there was things that were coming in. God, it broke my heart. And that's in the room with us. That's in the room right now. And rather than being a, a true brother that'll stand with somebody, right? And be family to somebody. They're looking to you like, man, stick with me, help me. too afraid to ask. We can't afford to throw away these relationships over something as silly as getting offended. The spirit of offense is real. It's real. But we cannot afford to toss all of this aside. And the thing that gets me is that when this happens, we've had years, years of hugs, years of crying, worshiping together, praying together, get-togethers at your house, my house. We have all of this, and then as soon as I get defended, I throw you to the trash like you don't, you know, like you never matter to me. First John says, whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar, a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. When the Bible talks about us being brothers and sisters in Christ, that's not something that somebody wrote because it sounded good. We've been, remember, we've been adopted into this sonship, right? Look at your neighbor and say, we are family. So am I your keeper? Let somebody mess around and find out. Because absolutely, the answer is yes. If nobody's told you yet, I got your back. The question is, are you mine? The question is, there's 
Are you, are you theirs? There's, there's people, again, that you haven't spoke to in, in months because of a silly conversation or because you got offended or they got offended. You didn't approach it right. They didn't approach it right. Whatever may happen, you haven't talked to them in months. And here's the deal. The relationship has been broken for far too long. The prayer team is coming. The relationship has been broken for far too long over something as silly as a disagreement. Again, that you are not mature enough to fix. I want to say, I'm going to pray. Um, but before I do, I want to call it out. There's people in this room that haven't spoke to somebody in their life, a family member, a friend, they haven't spoke to them in forever because of something like what we're talking about here, something dumb. Maybe you've apologized and it wasn't enough. If that's you, I want you to come. I want you to stand in the gap for the person that you're hoping to reconcile with, for the both of you. Maybe you never had the conversation, you never apologized because of your pride. Your pride won't allow it. You can't even utter the words because of pride. If that's you, come. If you need help, and you need to stand in agreement with somebody on how to maneuver through a situation, you want to pray and agree with somebody on what words to say, come. Let's pray. Father God, I want to thank you for this morning, Lord. I want to thank you for this word that you've given me, Lord. Father God, I apologize for being hesitant and being fearful on delivering. Father, I thank you for everybody, all the, all the relationships that are in this room. Father God, I thank you for your spirit and your willingness to mend these relationships, Father God. Father, I ask you that you touch the hearts of everyone in the room, Lord. Allow pride to be set aside. We pray for those, Father God, that are distant, that have been gone for far too long because of offense. We love you, Lord. We thank you for every soul that is in this room. We thank you for raining down in this place. We love you, Father. We thank you in Jesus' mighty name. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to stay up to date, be sure to follow us on all social media platforms or visit us online at myhopealive.church.